All right, because three is a crowd. I'm here today, once again, as always, in the blockhouse. Always in the blockhouse. Always in the blockhouse. It is a hot one out here in Oregon today. 95 degrees. Ooh, Kelly, how are you doing? Melting, how are you? Yeah, it's it's uh, when you have to shut the, the windows in the blockhouse is when you start to feel it the most. So hopefully <laughs> we can make our way through this. Kelly, uh-huh. we every week we pick a, a random song and we live with it for the entire week. Now, we've been curating for a long time now but we are in a couple of weeks about to go back to our, our our tried and true format of picking songs at random but currently we're in the middle of music video month we cannot fuck with that i mean that is <laughs> we signed a contract a long time ago when we were in the bunker true but this is a bob dylan podcast regardless we are always going to be talking about bob dylan we're going to be talking about our own lives and talking about the world at large I've been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as a number of cards in a game of Racco. What's Racco? And this week we listened to Tight Connection to My Heart. <sighs> has anybody seen my love? And Someone's Got a Hold of My Heart. That's right. Two songs for the price of one. I have no idea what Racco is. I forgot to look it up. <laughs> I wrote... All right, Kelly, so you probably weren't expecting this because it's not a, a week that we got an album, but we did listen to two songs this week. It was originally just supposed to be one, but I really couldn't bring it. I really couldn't bring myself to just do the one without the other. So let's talk about both of them today. Really quickly, how did you feel about Tight Connection My Heart, Has Anyone Seen My Love? And Someone's Got a Hold of My Heart, from the um, famously from the Bootleg Series, Volume 1 through 3. I think this is one and a half songs. I don't count this as two songs, honestly. It's rough. This is not a good song. I'll never listen to it again. I can say that pretty concretely. Although it does stick in the head. I will not lie. That is, it's, I got it. Won't leave me alone. You, 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 you. Won't leave me alone. Uh, And then the other one, Someone's Got a Hold of My Heart, is a better song. It's a better song. And I like that. Yeah. And listen to a couple of versions of both. And I prefer the other versions. So, so I do have a question. So Someone's Got a Hold of My Heart was not on a studio record? Not on a studio record. It's on a bootleg. It's on the bootleg series volume one through three. Okay. So, so no one had ever heard it? No. So Tech Connection was its own thing for, you know, anybody picking up that record was like, oh, no, oh, this is a thing. Okay. Uh, and I'm sure there's a lot of other Dylan songs that we just don't know about that have their... I mean, there's a lot of Dylan songs that have origins. And the fact that we know the ones we do is great, but like... There's probably a ton of other ones that we just don't know about. Uh, and this is one of them. So, yeah, no, it, it was weird. Um, the, the the reason why I think it's so prevalent, and this is one that's talked about the most, is that it's got very iconic images like the Madam Butterfly mm-hmm. and the guy in the powder blue wig. Those were, for, for me as a 15, 16-year-old listening to this, I was like, what? 
is he recycling himself? You know, like what, where did this come from? Because I've heard that on another song. And so it's kind of a fun little search because Empire Burlesque is garbage. So you're like, you listen to it <laughs> once and you're like, I'm never going back to it. So the fact that when you put it together yourself instead of having the internet or a podcast do it for you, it's kind of fun. But um, but yeah, I think it's basically, you know, Bob just, you know, he wrote one song and he thought, you know, creativity is bunk. Let me just steal some lines from a movie. Nice. And that was that connection to my heart. So, in a roundabout way, hooks you, even though you don't want to be hooked. It's not a good pop song that like you want to hook onto it. No, it hooks onto you. Right. And the, the I think the most offensive thing about it is the synthesized horns. Mm. The song is fine, I guess. I I don't like it at all. Um, the back backup singers really. It's just it's all too much. Classic. I think if they weren't there, that would be okay. His voice isn't great. I. It's just so repetitive, mm-hmm. and there's nothing interesting going on. But yeah, those horns when they come in, it makes it real bad, That's real great. bad. Can't can't <laughs> lie. And the the lyrics, I I don't know if there's supposed to be a through line here, but I can't find it. If there is, it does seem like a smattering of words. And we will definitely get to that in a bit. But there's some cool lines. The and I'm not gonna lie, my favorite line is probably I didn't know if. I was too good for you or you are too good for me or whatever he says. Yeah. yeah. Pretty great. Yeah. I think that this has a lot of great lines, but I think some of the best lines are the ones stolen from someone's got a hold of my heart. Those are the best <laughs> lines. Uh, because I think we're going to find out that some of the lines that you love a lot are actually not Bob Dylan lines. They're actually lines from other places. So let's get into it. So contextually, we listen to four Dylan versions. We listen to obviously the Empire Burlesque version of Tight Connection in My Heart. We listened to the Toad's Place version in 1990 of Tech Connection to My Heart. We also listened to the Boo Lake Series Volume 1 through 3's version of Someone's Got a Hold of My Heart and also the Alphadel Intakes version as well. I'm not going to dive into which version it could be or whatever. Uh, this is one that I thought I was going to have a hot take on and like I was going to solve the mystery. But with this stuff, especially at this time, Bob was recording a lot and he was doing a lot of weird things. So I don't know exactly what take this is and I don't think it really matters. It's not the take that, it, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. So this was recorded in, on April 16th, 1983 in six takes. On April 25th of the same year, he did another three takes. And apparently that's the one that shows up on the bootleg series and that's someone's got a hold of my heart so he's working through this song this was the third song that he recorded for infidels hmm. so this was a this was a song that he thought was going to be part of the record and it was part of it in the demoing process it was also included on some early versions of it with foot of pride and blind willie mctell before it was you know nixed and if we never saw this again i think this song would probably have a, a much bigger blind willie mctell like following because i think it's a really great song and a really weird song and it makes sense why it wasn't on infidels i think but because it got turned into this garbage it sort of loses its luster in the way that blind willie mctell is like sort of often you can't fault it because it's over there he by didn't itself, turn man. it into a shitty like 80s song which right. is great um so yeah and it was actually released this was released as a single and for being someone who's listened to all of empire burlesque definitely the best song on Empire Burlesque. God, so, that's scathing. Yeah. God, that's scathing. Yeah. And uh, it was also released with uh, a song called We Better Talk This Over, which is from 1978's Street Legal. So he released five years after Street Legal came out. Came out. He he thought, 
let's make a song from that, the single. So he just like completely erased the three Christian records and was like, let's go back in time and pluck <laughs> nice. that, that um, not great song uh, onto another not great song. So they kind of work out well together. So that was released as a single, this and that song from the album three albums ago. Three albums ago. Nice. Exactly. Yeah. Super weird. Better talk this over Maybe When we both get sober You'll understand I'm only a man Doing the best that I can This situation Can only get rougher So Dylan originally wrote this For Infidels And he went back And he rewrote it Well after Two years after it takes on a much more cinematic air. Clinton Highland says, quote, in the interim between those two years, the 83 to 85, uh, in the interim, Dylan decided that he really wanted to turn the song into a visual narrative. And in order to achieve this, set about rewriting it in a more, quote, cinematic fashion. It was a trick that he had tried once before on a 1975 rewrite of Simple Twist of Fate, which is a great, great song. And that has a cinematic air as well, but it doesn't rely on quotes from, you know, which we have listened to a song that quotes extensively from movies. Say it with me. Maybe someday. So we don't want to go back to that again. But I think Dylan does it in a way here that he gets worse at. Because maybe someday is a year on from this. So this is like, I'm just going to experiment with this. And I'm going to take it to its horrible finality with maybe someday. Uh we also listen to a version that I won't include as like one of the one of the four, but the play "Girl from the North Country," it's oh, sung yeah. by Sheila Atom, and I think that's the best version of the song. Period. Like both versions, she knocks it out of the park. She gives it a heart that Bob Dylan had no idea could even exist on the song. Oh, it's the best non-Bob Dylan version. If we're talking about yeah. like, it's better than the Bob Dylan versions for sure. Yeah, it, it actually had. Some kind of soul to it. It had some kind of meaning to it. Had a heart. It's actually feeling behind the words. Oh my God. Uh, right. And I'm hoping that uh, it also uh, keyed up with the show itself, which I have not seen, unfortunately. So hopefully at some point we'll be able to do that. It was played a total of 14 times. The song. Total. And From one of them was at Toad's Place. Toad's Place in January of 1990. And it was, it was last played in November of 1993. So it's a very short run of time for this song. Obviously, Dylan did not have a tight connection to this song. That's right. I did it. I said it. I said it. So let's talk about the song itself. Let's dive a little bit more into it. Let's start with tight connection itself so you hated the relentless organ you hated bob's voice the music video did it no favors i know that oh my god what what other takeaways did you have from this did you expect this coming after joker man which 
I know you weren't super into it. Now I like that at least Joker Man won't be the worst song of the season. But <laughs> but did that? Did the Joker Man to this bridge make sense? Because it was two years and it was recorded during the same time as Joker Man. But did um, does that does that shade anything for you? Yeah, I guess it does. Now that you bring that up, it is more similar. This song is more similar to Joker Man than I feel like it would be to obviously 60 Bob Dylan or even 70s. All I can think of is Rolling Thunder. That's like my touchstone for nice. 70s. Yeah. Um, and then anything in the 90s, like this is no crooner. This is no, no Cold Irons Bound. No. So that's kind of, I, th- I guess that's how I'm coming upon this now. Kind of saying it stuck. As I, I kind of how I break it down. So this doesn't sound like anything like yeah. that. So I guess this is 80s Bob Dylan sound. It does sound similar to Joker Man. This is so. our first true 80s Bob Dylan sound, though. Gotcha. It's, yeah, it's bad. It's weird. It's, so I bad. felt the same way with like Bruce and a lot of other um, artists that I listen to. You go back and listen to their 80s catalog and you're... You're kind of like, whoa, God, I really... It's just what we were doing. It's what we were doing. And I think Bob was definitely... We'll talk more on the music video. Bob following what was happening. But I think even musically, he was sort of steered in a direction. Mm-hmm. You know, and and this song, I think, is proof positive of that. It's why it's interesting to listen to um, Someone's Got a Hold of My Heart instead. Mm. Because this tight connection one, there's just nothing to it. It's so repetitive and the horns are jarring and unnecessary and there's just nothing there's no there's no feeling behind it at all it's like this weird mm-hmm. automaton i'm singing this to sing it and here it goes thank god someone's backing vocals so that somebody can actually be singing this song because i'm just kind of it out there yeah i mean i think that that's actually the that's spot on i think that's 100 percent right i think again the best lines of of tight connection in my heart are almost all from someone's got a hold of my heart. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that this is something that Bob has done more than we ever thought. You know, we don't have one-to-one evidence of this in a way we do with this song. This is very this is one of those great unique little test cases where you can look at how he changed one song to the next. And Someone's Got a Hold of My Heart is a way more religious song. And I think fits a lot more with with uh, infidels than it than it ever could on some '80s pop excess album that is Empire Burlesque. And it's so weird that he decided some of these lines I want to pilfer. Now, if we never had someone's got a hold of my heart, if that just like disappeared, I don't think the lines would necessarily stand out. But when you have entire connection to my heart, the 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 entire song ends with. I never could learn to drink that blood and call it wine and never could learn to hold you love and call you mine. The holding you calling you mine thing is fine, but the drinking the blood and calling it wine, that's not obscure religious. That is like a straight Jesus thing. And so when you're listening to all of someone's got a hold of my heart, the someone is almost a question mark in and of itself. I mean, who is it? Is it a person or is it Jesus? You know, and the whole song has this very religious undertone especially coming out of religion where that final line, you know, I never could learn to drink that blood and call it wine. It's almost saying I couldn't be a Christian artist. I, I, I didn't actually drink the blood fully, you know, I could never do what they wanted me to do. So now I'm kind of questioning it. And foot of pride is a great song that I hope we get to sooner than later, because that's one of my favorite songs about organized religion period, because he really is, is quite scathing 
in the sort of factory that he put himself in for three years and he turns it around on a song like that and is like wow i've he 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 doesn't really say that he was a part of it but he certainly understands the business of religion and and that's a fascinating thing so when you have him taking lines like that and putting it over in a tight connection the song was never served by it i don't know why he stole that at all some of the some good lines you know where he's like madam butterfly is interesting you know she lulled me to sleep um she said be easy baby there ain't nothing worth stealing in here like again when bob dylan delivers that on both songs i really love his delivery mm-hmm. and i get it it's easier to just steal your own words or the words of other people when it sounds good especially when the melody is the same i mean some somebody's got a hold of my heart and tight connection are the same song oh yeah just with pff, 80s overdub so, yeah, I always found that really weird. And that's why the song really hits you at the very end when he's singing about, you know, there's a hoplit singer singing Memphis in June. And all of that sounds so great on Someone's Got a Hold of My Heart. But on Tight Connection, it's like I've been singing about someone else. And I've been pretty dickish in my behavior. Like, I'm singing pretty rudely to somebody. Like, this is another oh, yeah. rude Bob Dylan song. And out of nowhere... I'm just going to, final verse, tell a totally different story Yeah, about something Babylon, else. Babylon, fucking what? And then, and then there's a line. The only good part of Tight Connection, in my opinion, is when he says, later he'll be shot for resisting arrest. That's an interesting throwaway line. That's a, that's a line that like I appreciate because it, it adds to a cinematic quality, which I think is part of what he's going for. But like with the rest of it, it, it falls flat, unfortunately. like I, I Honestly, that's the only moment in this song that I like. That's why it was so hard for me to wrap my head around any of this because there is no story. Like, not that all the songs are or any song has to be. Right. But this felt like the chop shop of songs. It's like 16 fucking songs at the same time. There's no, there's nothing. You could say that it's, oh, it's a somebody in a relationship where they're cheating on somebody. Sure, that's part of it. But then also, yeah, somebody's resisting rest. And then also we're talking about Jesus. Like, what the fuck is this song? Yeah. On top of it just musically being bad. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. What is this song? That's a great point. And, th- and that's where like some someone's got a hold of my heart like excels because it never musically gets like it's not great. It's not like the greatest thing since sliced bread, but it's not bad. Comparatively. It's just like right. a especially comparatively. Yeah. But like it it, it really fits. It fits. it's an acoustic like, like a little bit of drums, a little bit of like excess to it. It's great. And it's Bob delivering a really good song. We also listened to the Alphadel Intakes version, which had some great bass going for it. Oh which my was god, awesome! That's my another favorite. like what the f moment. Like, mm-hmm. why is that on fucking Infidels? It's so good, and the religious aspect of it. I think this song really fits on Infidels and could really, especially with Foot of Pride and Blind Willie McTell, make it a great, 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 great all time album. But unfortunately, it has to become tight connection to my heart, and we live in this world in the darkest timeline. That's where we are right now. And what happened to Annie, the unstoppable go-getter? Well, there was that gas leak last year. Oh, don't blame it all on a gas leak year. This is a four-year process. We went in one end as real people, and out the other end as mixed-up mixed cartoons. Cool. Sure. This coming from the guy who's had how many psychotic breaks on campus? Are we including the gas leak year? You all came here with a chance to be something, and you all had that taken away from you. Get something back. So that's unfortunate. Yeah, someone's got a hold of my heart is certainly like, which is crazy for me to even say, like a sleepier version of Tight Connection of My Heart. 
Ouch. But, but better. Like, not yeah. in a bad way. It's just like, it's just like a snoozy version. It's more, um, yeah, acoustic instruments and yeah. more kind of loungy. But then the Outfidels, Outfidel intake or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, is so good. That bass, they're like, mm-hmm. this is what we're doing. You have to lean in. If you're going to make that song, lean in. Let's get this, like, almost honky-tonk bass going. And, like, we're going to make this a weird country song. what it's worth i think if we're gonna like nitpick i think the lyrics on someone's got a hold of my heart are the best lyrics because there are a couple of changes like instead of a powder blue wig which is so iconic and such a great line oh, it's the it becomes flaming a flaming red, red wig so yeah. he takes the flaming red out of the sky and puts it, and puts it on the wig mm-hmm. so that is a that's a misstep right there that kind of like knocks it significantly in my opinion off but in someone's got a hold of my heart i don't know if you noticed this but when he says Wearing a powder blue wig, he says a plowder blue wig. Yeah, he, so that mistake alone, like it, it is truly an outtake. It is mm-hmm. a bootleg. It is not. He was just playing the song for the mm-hmm. sixth time. He's just doing it, and uh, and I love it for that reason because there's a lot of potential there that was never seized upon. And when you listen to the Alphadel intake, I think that potential was there. Like I think he, I don't know where. Again, I don't know where that was in the scope of all the recordings. I want to believe that that version was probably before. So they had it musically down, but Bob hadn't decided how he wanted that music to go. But I'm glad that they went with the powder blue wig. I'm, I, and, and in a way, I'm happy that Tight Connection has the powder blue wig thing, even though if you think about the music video, one of the worst aspects oh of the music video God. is the obscene shots of the powder blue wig. Falling downstairs. Just like rolling what? like a, yeah, like a, what is it? A, a tumbleweed, you know? Why? We'll never know the answer to that, but we will try to figure that out on Thursday. Mixed up confusion. So do stay tuned. We'll talk about it more at the end of the show. So this song does have references. So we're going to start actually with the lesser version, in my opinion. And I think you'd agree too. The lesser version, which is Tight Connection to My Heart. Yeah. Tight Connection to My Heart, there are so many lines that are rewritten. It, it almost, like, if you look at both of them back to back, which on your booklet... You have done that. I have done that as well. You could not immediately see a, a connection, uh, tight or not, between <laughs> the two songs. You know, you wouldn't know right off the bat until you really delved into it. So I, I found that pretty fascinating. But something that changes a lot is Bob Dylan's reliance on movie quotes, on movies he was watching at the time. So I'm going to go through some references and we can kind of talk about them. And maybe if you've seen them, the movies or whatever you can let me know i know you probably have it i certainly have not no so i'm just gonna go through the lyrics and then where they came from and you let me know what's going on so bob dylan sings well i had to move fast and i couldn't with you around my neck he also sang another line later that said but i can't figure out whether i'm too good for you or you're too good for me yeah that's my favorite one the first one well i had to move fast is the opening line from a humphrey bogart movie called sirocco from 1951 quote 
I got to move fast. I can't with you around my neck. The second line is taken verbatim. Wow. So your favorite line of the entire <laughs> tight connection to my heart is verbatim taken from the movie Sirocco. Nice. 1951 Humphrey Bogart. Bob Dylan sings, I'll go along with the charade until I can think my way out. This comes from multiple sources. So the first one was noted as another Humphrey Bogart movie called Sahara from 1943. Michael Gray, though, sourced it to a movie called Tokyo Joe from 1949, which when you hear the word Tokyo Joe, you're like, music video. Yeah. Guess who was starring in that movie? Humphrey Bogart. (laughs) It was also taken as a direct quote from The Squire of Gothos, a 1967 episode of Star Trek. I don't know if Humphrey Bogart was in that episode or not. I cannot source that. You're going to have to say no. Bob Dylan sings later, You want to talk to me? Go ahead and talk. Whatever you've got to say to me won't come as any shock. I must be guilty of something. This is a line from The Maltese Falcon, 1941, starring... Humphrey Bogart? He says, quote, We want to talk to you, Spade. To which he replies, to which the other character replies, Well, go ahead and talk. Now, sir, we'll talk if you like. I tell you right out, I'm a man who likes talking to a man who likes to talk. Swell. Someone also sourced us to a movie called Oklahoma Kid starring, say it with me, Humphrey Bogart. Where Bogart says to James Cagney, I want to talk to you, kid. And Cagney says, go ahead and talk. There is also a movie from 1961, the line when Dylan sings about a song, A Town Without Pity. It's a movie from 1961 starring... Humphrey Bogart! Kirk Douglas. <laughs> you set me up the fair. I did. And then uh, when he sings about Memphis in June, we actually listen to Memphis in June. You can oh, that listen was to so our good. beautiful song. You can listen to our playlist on Spotify. Uh, search See That My Playlist Is Kept Clean or go to our website, sotwpod.com. Search for Tight Connection My Heart and you will find a link to the playlist where you can listen to Nina Simone sing Memphis in June. So beautiful. So beautiful. That. Um, Memphis in June is actually from a movie called Johnny Angel from 1945 and it's sung by Hoagie Carmichael and apparently this is like an inside joke like this song is like a joke about Hoagie Carmichael hmm. that is something I cannot parse I don't really know much or anything about Hoagie Carmichael I've except for the name I've never heard those words before okay so I've heard the name but I don't know but apparently laugh it up everyone out there if you <laughs> know the joke Hoagie and then Bob Dylan finally sings what looks large from a distance close up it's never that big. I always laughed out loud when I heard that line because that is silly. And that's what it says on the mirror when you're driving your car and you look in the, the side mirror. Objects in the mirror don't look as large as they are. You know, uh, It's opposite. It's um, oh, objects uh, may appear, appear larger than. No, they're, they're, they're smaller than they are. Like as in if somebody's behind you, right. they're really behind you. Like they are closer than they appear in the mirror. Right. So I laughed out loud because it's a silly line. Yes. You know, like. Is that what that's referencing? No. So, no, absolutely not. So it references a 1934 movie called Now and Forever starring. Humphrey Bogart. Gary Cooper. Okay. Who says. I'm not following the piss again. (laughs) Who says close up. They don't look as large as they do from a distance. Mm -hmm. So direct quote from that almost. And uh, I was the opposite on my car. So thanks for. Thanks for shaming me on... Objects in mirror may be closer than they appear. May be closer than they appear. Yeah. So this obsession with movies, we've listened to... Maybe someday. I wasn't ready. You weren't ready. You were going to say Humphrey Bogart anyway. I was going to. (laughs) 
we uh, we listened awesome. to that, and that was such a movie centric episode. That was right after we did Woody Guthrie Month, where we talked about uh, his poem to Woody Guthrie, and he talked about the bubblegum, you know, mm-hmm. parades and all of the you know people just watching movies, and that's all they see their lives as. And then Bob Dylan has essentially become that person that he talked so negatively about. But he relies so much on Gary Cooper and Humphrey Bogart and Gregory Peck. I mean, and it's ironic, too, because in this fallow period between Infidels and Oh Mercy, he has one good song. And that song is called Brownsville Girl. And it centers around every verse begins with him watching a movie about Gregory Peck. What? Well, there was this movie I seen one time. About a man riding across the desert and it starred Gregory Peck. And so there are heights that you can reach with this sort of um, pop culture, pop culture, cinematic vibe um, or shorthand that he's using. And that's great. I mean, good for him. But it's also ironic that a Bob Dylan would be doing that because of who Bob Dylan is. And so I always found that very funny. And especially in this this period where. Tight Connection is probably the last gasp for a long time. I mean, obviously, um, Brownsville Girl is written around this time and comes out in 1986, but was written before. But still, it, it, like, it's rough. It's, it's rough going. So I'm excited to talk about Brownsville Girl in the future because so much of this period relies on movies and old movies especially. So Someone's Got a Hold of My Heart also has a couple other references. I did not know this, but you know a little bit more about Madame Butterfly than I do. I mean, you knew it was at least a thing. Yeah. I I know it's an opera. That's about it. Yeah. All right. Well, that is more than I knew. Yeah. Uh, So Madame Butterfly does show up in both of them, but I wanted to keep them separate. So Madame Butterfly originally appeared in Someone's Got a Hold of My Heart in a great verse that, like, is different. Um, You know, she lulled me to sleep in the same thing, but, like, in a town without pity where the water runs deep instead of like an ancient river so wide and so deep. This would have been a great song for our summer fun time slide into yeah. summer. Yes. But it's not. <laughs> but it did not happen. Uh, it was an opera that uh, was based on a short story called Madame Butterfly, written in 1898 by John Luther Long. Uh, it takes place in 1904 in Nagasaki, Japan. And it's a staple, apparently, of uh, the repertoire of opera i've never been to an opera have you been to an opera i went to an opera in italy when oh. we were in venice yeah wow we uh was it cool yeah we were gonna go to like the doge palace and do all the outside there's a square i can't remember st peter's is saint somebody come on it's italy uh and it was freezing and sleeting oh. and we like couldn't be outside so we looked up what's going on in venice right now opera. and there's there's an opera that like kids were going there on a field trip. It's like this is a weirdo playhouse that's doing that's awesome. uh, an opera in the middle of the, a weekday in Venice, and it was definitely not like a, this is a tourist thing to go to. It's we're just doing this because we do this, and look at it was us and a million Italian kids, and it was all in Italian, and I had no idea. But yeah, it was about some like this guy who was torn between dating three Asian women. I don't know. But yeah, that's the only opera I've ever been to and I have no idea Did what Did he called. like Bob Dylan at the end of this music video hug all three of them and right, yeah. have them all? That's that's what... A, no, I don't remember no. what happened. You don't remember what happened. That's too no. bad. I had never heard of anything of the sort. I didn't know what Madame Butterfly was. Yeah, my only reference to Madame Butterfly is through Buffy. 
and because Willow at the end of uh, Nightmares, mm. I believe, has to. And when you said that, I was like, oh yeah, she's, she's wearing, wearing like a kimono, kimono or something. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that was the the reference there. My turn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's ranked as the seventh most popular opera of all time by Opera Base. That's operabase.com if you're interested to know more about operas. Operabase.com. Do you want to know what the top six are? Yeah. Duh. Number six. Little guy, his name is Amadeus Mozart. Amadeus, Amadeus. Amadeus. He wrote something called Le Nos de Figaro. We know Figaro. Figaro, Figaro. Hey, I bet that's where that comes from. Boom. Nice. It probably is. Number five by Giacomo Puccini, who wrote... Hey, Puccini's a guy, too. Puccini did Madame Butterfly. He also did Tosca, which is number five. He also, Puccini did number four, La Boheme, which oh, yeah. has a reference okay. to the to Rent. That's the only way I know that yeah. one. Number three, a little guy, you might remember him from number six, Mozart. <laughs> one that I've never heard of called Die Zaberflot. D. Is it D-I-E? D-I-E. It's D, yeah. D. D Zaberflot. Which is probably the Zaberflot part is wrong. The Zabber float. Cool. <laughs> Number two, Bizet Carmen. We all know Carmen. Oh, Carmen's, yeah, okay. Carmen's big. Yeah, yeah. And then number one, Verde. La Trivieta. <laughs> Done. And then this gets back to, uh, to come back to Someone's Gotta Hold My Heart. The, the verse, it, uh, it, listen to the song. It's a very religious song. There's a lot of like questioning about yourself and about who you are and what you're doing. But I think the song itself lends to the very end when he talks about, I've been to Babylon, I gotta confess. Michael Gray, who is indispensable with anything, in my opinion, anything religious, but brings it down to a level that even the unreligious can understand, says, quote, the confession... The I've been to Babylon, I gotta confess, relates to a period in Babylonian captivity, which God has permitted the Jews to suffer, permitted the Jews to suffer, uh, to punish them for their great wickedness, as the prophecy of Jeremiah was to do also. And it was because of Jeremiah's prophecy as to when this should end that Daniel understood himself to be making his confession in the final days of captivity. Dylan parallels his modern, idiomatically casual usage of I gotta confess, with the numinous scriptural meaning re-inhabiting the person of Daniel in the wonderful understatement that I've been to Babylon, I gotta confess. He also says something right after that, I could still hear my voice crying in the wilderness. And apparently that is from Mark 1-3, Matthew 3-3, and Isaiah 43. Uh, And he brings that up in Every Grain of Sand, Caribbean Wind, uh, per Clinton Highland. So, He's playing right at the very end with like deep biblical meanings. And then, of course, we know that drinking the blood and calling it wine, that's communion. That's taking Jesus' blood as wine and the bread as his flesh. And I think the fact that he's saying that I couldn't do that is almost like this is almost one of the last super religious songs of his early 1980s period where he's sort of for the last time saying, I'm not. I'm not going to stop talking about this. I never did stop or start talking about it. I always have been, but I'm, this isn't me. I'm, I'm Jewish. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I can't really do this. Uh, so I, I find it, I find it interesting. It's, it's almost saying, you know, I never, I couldn't do it. It's choosing, you know, something like, um, you know, it's succumbing to the earthly desires. It's saying, 
I couldn't I couldn't be the religious person that you thought I could be or that I wanted to be. And I think all of us, I mean, especially in this room, in the in the blockhouse, definitely choose, you know, not to drink the blood and call it wine. And I think when you do, that's like any other really, really strong choice you make in your life. You got to like live with it in a way that I think a lot of people will be very uncomfortable with. And I especially feel that that way. And uh, and I think Bob feels that way too. I could never do it. And uh, and he relates that to to being with someone else. You know, I could I never could look into your face and call it mine. And you could see that as like a love thing or even a fucking like Jesus thing. Right. <laughs> you know? And uh, and so I don't know. I, re- I like the song a lot. And, and for me, as, as a secular person, if you will, in the world, I, I hear this song more as, as a love song, both of them, than I do as a religious song. And that's why the religious stuff always is galling. But I think you can you can morph that into a love thing too because I think the two I think religion is a strong feeling people have but also love is a strong feeling people have and I think it's easy to to mix the two up this is where I would say something about mixed up confusion but, <laughs> uh, very So Kelly, barring any final thoughts you have on these two songs, this is it. I mean, this is our first foray into 1980s Dylan. Uh, I mean, 19 excess 1980s Dylan. And then we also got this beautiful song, uh, Someone's Got a Hold of My Heart. Any final thoughts? We didn't really talk deeply about Alpha Del Intakes or Toad's Place. You personally said you love Toad Place more than anything else. Yeah, I was torn because <laughs> the Toad's Place version of Tight Connection is, I mean, it speaks right to me as that whole album or series of whatever that whole concert i'm sure would because the band is basically hooting the blowfish jim blossom insert random 90s band here and i fucking love it but that's not anything to do with bob dylan so much as the band playing with him it's true um so i love it for that but i think the yeah the outfit intakes version of uh, someone's gotta hold my heart is really the best out of all of them just musically uh i love the way his voice sounds versus all of them because he's sounds like he's fucking singing it mm-hmm. like he's into it like he did this on purpose and i have something like to say yeah. yeah like not i'm doing this out of minutia or out of uh, inertia and uh i you know whatever yeah I'm, I'm just doing it because i was told to because my record label said i had to put out another song yeah because totally. i'm supposed to be relevant again i 100 percent agree um but yeah I, I love that i love that the guitar is barely there that it's like mm-hmm. all fuzzed out and someone's barely playing it except for like a couple of little shining boot fills mm-hmm. which is really cool and i love the bass and oh, yeah the, and the organ the voice on the organ is better than every version um yep. it's just it makes sense it sounds like a fucking cool organ piano instead of whatever bullshit horn sounds happening in Tight connection so yeah, it's and you the can, best version. Yeah, and it, and so like that lineage in and of itself coming from the the infidels sessions and being written almost one on top of the other and played almost one on top of the other, I think shines through. And I and I think that they they represent like Joker Man before, even with the plugs that we talked about on David Letterman. That was also another route that Bob Dylan could have really explored. Oh, that was this so cool, heavy, even reggae, but also like 
just heavy bass, doing things a little bit differently than was done. There are ways to come out of the 1980s with your integrity intact. And Bob Dylan was not someone to emulate and not someone to look at. He left the 80s in tatters. He was a tattered, tattered man. And lots of people were. Lots of people did not make it through that fucking decade looking good. Because they sold themselves for some garbage. Hmm. For some gold coins. Judas. (laughs) It always comes back to Judas. Kelly, we're a real podcast, though. Thank God. It feels good. It feels good to be coming back every week from the Blockhouse. No one has suggested a new name of the Blockhouse. But you can change that. If you subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash SOTWpod, you can name the Blockhouse for an episode or two. Or three. Who knows? We'll, just... well, I would say it's like uh, when you're playing a two-player game, but there's three people in the room, and it's like loser has to hand over the controller. So basically, wh- whoever names it, is that's the name of it until the next person did. So. That's true. So get in early is what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, invest inside on the window. <laughs> and you can name the blockhouse, and we'll do whatever you Got whatever a small business? Saying. Again, can't stress enough. Crazy Owl's Face Emporium. It will be until someone else comes along. That's true. Amen. If you are on the fence about investing in this business or Crazy Owl, Crazy Owls, right? Or Crazy Owls uh, Face Emporium, you can also visit you can visit our website, SOTWpod.com. You can also go to SOTWpod everywhere else. Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook. Just gotta we put an at sign in front of it. Put ats, put slashes, put internet speak, whatever you gotta do. Just like yell. I mean, right now your computer probably is listening to you. And is relaying that data to the federal government, just like shout into your computer. S-O-T-W-Pod. <laughs> exactly. And they're like, oh, we got some witches over in this sector. And then it's like, oh, no, S-O-T-W-Pod is not part of the... Oh, right, right, right. Right, because it's not about the witches anymore. It's about Bob Dylan. You see, we're right. changing the world with you yelling wow, at technology. what a throwback. Throwback. So never forget the witches, long-time oh, listeners. Season of the witch. Season of the Witch. Long time <laughs> listeners. They know. That's for you. They know. <laughs> so Kelly, we were also people in the world, as you do. We have jobs. We live lives. We leave the blockhouse. What were you doing this week that you thought was cool that people might out there, you know, enjoy uh maybe taking a look at or, or listening to or watching? Yeah, I uh se- second season of Glow is great. Absolutely oh, watch nice. it. It's fantastic. Talk about the 80s done right. Mm. We were talking earlier about how we're glad we didn't live in the 80s because the deluge of garbage is forced upon you against your will. But being someone who is living outside of the 80s, you can cherry pick the best moments of it. Mm. So you can have your own individual 80s experience. And I think Glow is like the best, like it's the best fashion, the best like fun music and just, I don't know. It's so great. So watch Glow season two. I will say that there's great integrity, great acting. I can't. I can't agree with anything about its setting, its fashion, <laughs> its time period, or anything else. I, I love it. That show is fantastic. But do I love them? Do I love Alison Brie? Yes. Yes, yes I do. Yeah. I'm really excited to watch that. I will definitely watch that before I ever watch Stranger Things Season 2. Yeah. For no other reason than I can't be bothered. <laughs> I have to finish Mad Men. <laughs> Just watch all the shows time. I've already watched. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that's basically it. I watched a lot of music videos this week. Yeah, so if you've ever watched Cindy Lauper's Girls Just Want to Have Fun, talking about 80s fun and fashion, mm-hmm. the video's great. It's, it's a lot so of much fun. fun. And the song's great. Let's go watch that. Let's go watch that. That yeah. sounds better. I, I was also pretty chill this week. I listened to 
kind of one album and I listen to a lot of other music. There's a there's an artist his name is Damien Wardo. Uh, he, he released an Oh, album I know that called, guy. Yeah. I thought his name was Wardo. <laughs> I don't think so. And uh, he released an album called The Horizon Just Laughed. It's another great just great um, you know, folk acoustic guitar, acoustic beautiful guitar, voice. beautiful voice, great I mean great great stories. And he's also from the Pacific Northwest. Lots of songs. I mean, there's a song called "The Great Water, the Great State of Washington." Uh, so he sings a lot about uh, this area in particular. So it's that's always a treat if you live out here. But I also listen to a lot of podcasts. I don't talk about podcasts as much as you do, but I did catch up on a few podcasts. The first one, I don't know if you've heard of this, called Omnibus with Ken Jennings and John Roderick. Isn't Ken Jennings a person? He is. He's from Jeopardy. He's the all-time winner of Jeopardy. Oh, that's fucking right. So their show is called Omnibus, and it's great. They do, uh, they're creating, uh, in in a universe where the world ends, they're creating the Omnibus, which is a history of the world, essentially. But they just take really obscure facts and stuff like that and, uh, and basically present it to, uh, a future people that they don't know. So they don't know if people are crustaceans in the future or if everyone now lives in one little spot. So it's like or, a time capsule. So it's a time capsule. Okay, yeah. And so, and every show starts with like, you've reached uh, this episode, A467464, you know, whatever it is. And it's, it's really good. And they're hilarious. So like, and again, they're both live in Seattle. So there's a lot of weird Tacoma Dome references and oh, stuff. Man. Pretty great. So I got to recommend Omnibus for sure. There's a great podcast that just went on hiatus called Home of the Brave. Home of the Brave uh, by Scott Carrier, who is a longtime NPR and public radio. He just goes around the country. He just did a whole thing on Bears Ears uh, National Monument and sort of talking to Hopi leaders and Navajo and, uh, and and getting to the bottom of what what was going on there. But I think he kind of burned out a little bit. So hopefully he'll be back soon. And then because of the World Cup. It's uh, Croatia versus France. Hey, I've been to Croatia. See? So you're rooting for <laughs> Croatia over here. That's on Sunday, which the World Cup will be done by the time you listen to this. But I also want to shout out a funny podcast called Athletico Mints, featuring Bob Mortimer and Andy Dawson. Oh, you love a Bob Mortimer. I love love me a Bob Mortimer. So if you don't know <laughs> nothing about Bob Mortimer, just search Bob Mortimer on YouTube. You will die. You will die. He's so funny. So anyways, those were my three podcasts that I like got caught up, caught up on. Oh my God, excuse me. So Kelly, let's go ahead and pick next week's song because that's definitely a thing. What is this, Lucy, another football for me to kick? That's so sad. (laughs) But true. Very true. But you know what is cool about this is that we get to eliminate two songs. That is cool. That is another reason for living, actually. Just wanna... Just wanna. No. Oh, girl. It's a good song. The video's great. Oh, it's a great song, yeah. Oh, sorry, Kelly. It wasn't actually two songs. I. It's a connection to my heart. On the list is also on the little no! notes. No! It's on the like series ad. Someone's got no! a hold of it. That's a bummer. That's a huge bummer. God damn it. What a blow. So anyway, so we lose one song this week. We are now to 471 songs. Kelly, this is legit. One out of 471. 600. Two. I choose the number two. You're so uncreative with numbers. Two is a song called Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Is that off the Nursery Ryan album? No, the it's Red off Sky of Love and Theft. Oh, okay. 
It's before Mississippi, Bob Dylan's best song of all time. You heard it here first. No, the actual correct answer was 378. You couldn't have been further away from it. 378, Kelly. Next week, we'll be listening to, for the second time on this podcast, The Death of Emmett Till. We did listen to that already. We did, but we did not actually listen to it because we've chosen it twice. But we don't get to listen to it because next week, Kelly, unfortunately, we are going to the year 2000 for a great, great Bob Dylan song called Things Have Changed. Oh, oh. So we'll see you next week on this podcast. I'm really excited. Goodbye. This is the first time I've been excited about it. Oh my God. (laughs) Sweet. Does your husband know I call you sweetheart? Does he know that I call you sweetheart? Not like you're cheating, we're only meeting in hotels and all your homes. My kid.